Hey there, Formillo, I'm Preston, and you're listening to Sidegig, the show about what it really takes to start and run a successful side hustle. You know the show hosts from season one, there's Ryan, Ian, and me, Preston. We've all built thriving side businesses while holding down successful day jobs. And in today's show, we answer the question, how do I even get started on a side business? If you think your side business starts with a website, business cards, or a logo, you're dead wrong. Be sure to give today's show a listen to hear what I mean. It's a refreshing conversation about what really matters when you're starting a side hustle, or any business for that matter. Show notes for this episode are found at sidegigshow.com slash 2.2. And as always, I'd like to quickly thank our sponsors before jumping into the conversation. Find Side Gigs is a free lead generation service for freelancers and those looking to earn some extra income. To take your side gig to the next level, visit sidegigshow.com slash find and subscribe to their free weekly gig list to get started. That's sidegigshow.com slash find. Also, a big thanks to our friends at Bonsai, an all-in-one freelancing solution for the world's best creative freelancers. Put your freelancing on autopilot by signing up 100% free at sidegigshow.com slash Bonsai. That's B-O-N-S-A-I. All right, let's jump into today's conversation. I'll be back afterwards for some parting thoughts. So let's do this. Our, the first one right, we wanted do to do today was about how should you actually get started, basically, right? Or where to start? Yeah, I mean... All of these, uh, all of all of maybe our listeners, all of there's people reading like Chris Gillibo's new book Side Hustle or listening to the Side Hustle Show or all, all these podcasts or, or the Side Hustle Project, Ryan, your new podcast. People are like listening and, and maybe some of them are already like we are sort of down the road on starting a side business, but some of them I'm sure haven't started yet. And I know plenty of people in my own personal life who know my story and they sort of say like, I'd like to do that, but I have no idea where to even get started. And so... Yeah, today's conversation is, you know, what what tips do we have for someone who hasn't actually jumped in yet into side business world, or maybe just barely jumped in and needs a little bit of help get going, a uh, little bit of help getting going? Um, what what tips and pointers and advice do we have for them? I mean, I've been thinking about this question that, to some extent, is really down to what the actual business idea is. Because, you know, based on, you know, where, whether you're starting a service-based company or like um, more of a, a blog, you know, what you actually might do from the beginning is going to differ slightly. But um, the one common thing that I think probably kind of stands out on every single business idea is to actually uh, start a website. So for me, I've used WordPress. What do you guys use? Yeah, WordPress. Yeah, Milo's built on WordPress on the on the Genesis theme. Although I don't know, I don't I don't want to disagree, but I I wonder if even that is too far down the line for some people. I mean, uh, it feels like you need something even before you need a a website like uh, an idea or a vision or a goal or, or or something. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'd say you probably need an actual idea to start off with, um, because I I can make the assumption that someone might think I want to create a business but I don't actually know what I want to do yet. So I guess as a starting point, you would want to, you know, physically work out, um, you know, what you want to do. And for me, I mean, that that was quite an easy choice. I'd always wanted to work on logos. Um, and I know, you know, Preston, you'd, you'd pretty much had the plan of um, creating some kind of blog and monetizing that in some way. So I guess to start with, you do need to have that business idea and then you know from that you need to start the 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 ball rolling um for for me sorry yeah because no well i was just gonna say because i have i have this friend who um who learned about what i was working on on the side and and was interested in doing the same making a little extra money 
And so he and I were chatting about it, and I was talking to him about social media and, you know, Instagram, particularly for this business idea that he had, and building a website and booking clients through his website and all this stuff. And like halfway through the conversation, he just goes, <laughs> I'm not like tech savvy. I don't spend time on social media. And I and I was just like, whoa, we have to back way up then and rethink this whole thing. And what he actually ended up doing was doing all of the stuff. It was kind of cool to watch. He did all the stuff that you would have watched someone do before the internet was around. And and this is a young dude. Like he's not he's he's maybe three or four years older than me. Um, I'm 31, so he he can't be you know more than 35 or 36, and he um, doesn't spend that much time like on Facebook, or he has no idea how to even get started building a website. So he started. Um, he does have like his own personal Facebook profile, so he posted on there. But then he also printed up flyers and took them around. He um, he mailed some stuff. Like he he got the word out in very non digital ways. And it's actually gone really well for him. And so I think we have to almost take a step back from the first step being building a website. And like you said, Ian, the first step is actually like, what is my business idea? Uh, and 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 I'd say even a step back further, it's like, what are you hoping to get out of it? Do you need quick cash in the door? Or do you want to build like a long-term thing that eventually gets you out of your day job? I think there's lots of different goals that you can have when you're building a side business. And I'd say you have to almost start with that goal, even before a business idea. I don't know. What do you guys think? I would agree with that. And I'd say like even taking sort of like a a different tack to this whole conversation, like I think that starting a business doesn't have to begin with a website or, you know, business cards or a business entity, like all those things. You're basically spending money before you've even sort of validated that, you know, is this something people want? And first of all, do you know what you want to do, right? Like that is definitely the starting point. And I think what you begin working on today is going to grow and change and evolve no matter what over the next, you know, days, weeks, months, as you keep working on it. And I think that a business, you know, like aside from being a website or anything like that, a a in-person shop is really just like, a format for channeling your own skills, your own experiences, abilities, interests into something that can help other people accomplish something that you care about, right? I think that's kind of like, in my experience, distilling down everything I've done is that I'm taking what I already know how to do in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a product I'm making or a service I'm offering, um, and then helping others achieve you know, the same or similar results as best as I can. And I think that that grows with feedback from the people you start talking to basically the day you start. And I think that's that's also a really important lesson that I've gotten from the process of growing businesses is like, if you're not involving your people, your community, the people you're trying to help from day one, like you're, you're going to lead yourself astray for sure. You guys are making me think of the book, uh, Will It Fly by Pat Flynn. And... Um, within that Mm. book it runs through that whole process and he's actually because he's into back to the future he's got this time travel experiment where you imagine um meeting yourself in five years time and you know if you had the best possible life what would that be and to kind of evolve your business around that because i mean at the end of the day you might actually have a business idea you might grow it and it might turn out that it might not actually be like long term what you actually want from life. So I think it's important to work out what you do actually yeah, want long term from your business idea. And, um, you know, in terms of everything we, we've spoken about, obviously, we've only got a certain length of time to talk about 
this during this episode. So I recommend reading that book because it's got some really nice um, exercises for kind of working out what you actually want from life and what you actually want from your business and how um, how the business actually falls into that because obviously a business when you're working on it yourself it it becomes very consuming to some degree and you know it's almost part of you I, d- I don't know if you guys feel that same way but for me um logo geek has become uh you know a good chunk of my life now and you know but that's kind of what I want to do so I, I it's definitely worth you know thinking about what you do want from it for sure yeah. And I and I I agree with that and and first of all let me just pause here and say we're going to link up all of the any any books or tools or resources that we list in this episode and in any episodes you can find it at the show notes um at sidegigshow.com this particular episode is sidegigshow.com/2.2 um for episode 2 of season 2 and you can find all the links there that you need for everything that we're talking about but I would agree with that Ian I think Here's here's the only issue that I'm having is <clears throat> I sort of came into this conversation um, picturing this friend of mine who wanted to start a side business and and I think it can be so easy to um, I don't know if you've read Chip and Dan Heath's uh, book Made to Stick they talk about the curse of knowledge like you kind of don't you it's it's actually psychologically shown that it's that you can't remember what it's like to not know something right and so here here we are we three building you know, somewhat similar businesses, very like content driven, um, online, uh, you know, build an audience, turn those audiences into customers in some ways, like, like we're, we're all doing different variations of that, but it's hard for us to remember what it feels like to not even know how to start a business. Right. And, and here's my friend, he comes along and he says, I want to do that, but I don't want to do any of this work on the internet. Right. And so, and so he ended up I said to him, okay, well, then what's your goal? What, like, what are you aiming for? And he just wants an extra couple thousand bucks every couple months or whatever to spend on vacations or on whatever. And I think ultimately he'd like to not work his day job, but right now he just wants some extra cash in his pocket, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, and so he actually, he did something that is not going to be long-term that he's actually not that passionate about he started a window washing company, like literally the dude's 35 and he started washing people's windows and he's made some good money doing it. It's not something he's going to do for the rest of his life, but it achieved that primary goal of getting money in the door. And now that he's got money in the door, he can say, okay, let me go back to these other ideas that I had that actually cost money to start. He wanted to like charter his boat on lakes. I live like in the Rocky mountains, Ryan, you know how beautiful it is now. And, and, um, he wanted to charter his boat on lakes all around where we live, and um, but but he had to like buy a charter license and spend all this money before, so he ended up washing windows instead. Anyway, I just think if you start with like, what's your primary goal, then that keeps keeps you from hitting the roadblocks of well, you know, I really want to be famous in five years, or I really want to be independently wealthy in five years. Instead, it's like, okay, what do you want to achieve in the next ninety days? Well, in the next ninety days, I want to make a thousand bucks. Okay, great. Go wash people's windows for a hundred dollars a piece or whatever, right? Yeah, I think that's really interesting, right? Like chunking up your goals into smaller segments of time is what I really gathered from that. Because, you know, if, if you're looking at the goal of like 
wanting to have a more full-time business, you probably wouldn't have, he probably wouldn't have started doing window washing stuff, right? Like he would have been maybe spinning his wheels on trying to figure out how to do the boat chartering thing instead versus like, you know, short-term cash hustle. Can I make enough money in 90 days to fund going towards a business that I am more interested in? I think that's a really interesting concept. Yeah. And, and in Chris Gillibo's new book, Side Hustle, again, we'll link to that. Um, he, he talks, I'm trying to remember, I wish I had it here with me. He, I'm trying to remember he, he, um, he talks about like three criteria to even see if you should pursue them. And basically to, to summarize and probably butcher it, it's basically like how, how feasible is it, um, up front? Like, are, like he talks about these guys that wanted to start their own, um, uh, like brewery or something, I think. And, and they realized all of the costs that, that were associated with starting your own brewery. So instead, they did an online course teaching people how to brew their own beer or something. Like, or maybe it was gin. I, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, um, and, and so they, they like took this thing they were still passionate about and sort of pivoted around to something that would cost less to start up front. And one day they might start their own big you know operation. But for now, they're selling courses online. And so I think there's a lesson to be learned there like – don't let the long-term vision, while while the long-term vision is good, don't let it stop you from taking action now to reach those short-term 30, 60, 90-day goals. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think goals are really important because for, for me, to some extent, um, goals have been um, direct to me long-term because, say, I've got this grand vision of what I would ultimately like and um you can you can break that down into bite-sized chunks and and eventually get there so i i know at some point in the future i want a significantly big audience so using things like social media has allowed me to kind of reach towards that and you know there's all these micro steps that you can kind of do on a daily basis that will end up um you know allowing you to achieve that long-term thing so even though you know, it might take you 10, 20 years to, to reach what you ultimately want. But, you know, if you can break it down into manageable chunks that you can do, you know, on a short term basis, you can definitely get there. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and frankly, like no goal that you make for 5, 10, 20 years from now is going to be the same when you get there. And so I think if you sort of have this, I think you're right, like this this point on the horizon that you want to get to. But then along the way, you're pivoting and adjusting. I mean, that's what Milo has been for me. It's like initially I thought it was this was one thing and now it's become this other thing. But it's still aligned with my long, long term goals. But it's been tailored to right now experiences what gets me cash in the door, what gets me um, value to my audience, what gets me more freedom in my lifestyle. All of that kind of thing impacts what I do now. But it all points toward that long term goal. So I agree with you, Ian. I think something we haven't really addressed head on that I feel like we've been talking around a little bit has been something that's that's always been really, really impactful for me too is time boxing these tests. So uh, yeah. yes, awesome to have goals, but if I don't like set real deadlines for those goals, they pretty much never happen. This is my experience, at least for me personally. Like if I just, you know, have my goal planning sheet, like this is what... I would love to achieve within the next year, but I don't say like, you know, breaking it down step by step, like, okay, in order to get to this point in 12 months, 
I need to do this in six months. And then in order to do that, I'm going to have to do this by the end of this month. And then I can sort of like chunk things down into more manageable tasks that make it more attainable to make progress too. Um, and I think like once you are able to do something like that, then you have to create the space, the time to actually do it. And, you know, going back to what we even spoke about in the first episode of this season, like, you know, getting out of your home, if you need to get that mind space in order to spend a couple hours a day on your side project while you're, you know, building traction, working towards those bigger goals, I think is super important. And that's something that, you know, going from back when I was still working on freelancing on the side and my blog on the side, like I would always schedule like physical blocks of time on my calendar to work on my side project stuff. And that's sort of carried over into my business now, even though it's full time, I'm doing what I want. Um, I still block out time to like write and, you know, time to work on client projects. It's been a really integral part of my planning process. Have you guys heard of um, SMART goals? So what that's, it's an acronym. It stands for Specific, um, Measurable, um, Agreed Upon, Realistic, and Time-Based. And, um, you know, by creating goals that are like that you you can achieve them in in small steps I mean I I know this from like the gym say you know say like you might go in and you're like okay I want to really bulk out and I want to be a big muscle muscly guy right (laughs) um obviously that's not achievable that's one of (laughs) your goals right Ian (laughs) um that's not something that you can achieve Uh right away I mean that's going to take many many years to actually achieve that but if you're like okay um within the next 30 days I would like to be able to do 10 pull-ups you know that's a specific measurable realistic time-based goal you know it's a a smart goal and um, I I guess to some extent smart goals can apply to uh, your business as well that you can create these um, things that you want to reach and you can do them within a specific time frame and you know that it's realistic as well I actually have a funny example, too, related to that, Ian. Um, At the beginning of this year, I set a New Year's resolution for myself to be able to do a five-minute plank, you know, where you're, like, sort of laying on the ground, but you're propped up on your elbows, and only your toes and your elbows, basically, are touching. Um, And I I did, like, my first trial run. I made it a minute, and I was, like, you know, dead tired. And so, (laughs) to, like, break that, that goal down to something more attainable, I was like, okay, Every time I do this, I was doing it like two or three times a week. Every time I do this, I'm going to add five seconds to it. And then I hit like five minutes by, you know, some point in like September or August because I was just adding five seconds every time I did it. And so that's, I think, a really good example of how easy incremental progress is versus, you know, if I was trying to like add a minute every time I did it or, you know, go from one minute to five minutes, like... I would just get discouraged and quit. And I think that's something that so many people run into, especially with, you know, like the daunting task of building a website if you've never done such a thing. Um, And, you know, the list goes on and on. But if you don't take the time to create those incremental goals for yourself, what you think at least is a nice incremental path, then you're going to just spin your wheels. I I think it's important. I love that. I think that's spot on. I I think it's important to actually be able to um, say specific things because I I think it's easy with um, creating a business to to say, in 10 years time, I want to be significantly rich and I want really good clients. But if you can break that down 
to specific things like within 10 years time I would like to you know earn I know say a hundred thousand dollars a year and I would like clients that um, you know have budgets of five thousand per project say you know if you're able to say specific things you can actually reach those and, and you know exactly what you need to do in terms of presenting your business in a certain way um, the type of people that you want to be dealing with um, the t the amount of sales that you want to be making on you know certain months so I think um, you know being very specific in your goals especially those short-term goals um, I, I think it's it's really important to, to actually do those if if you do want to turn this you know side gig into a, a full-time thing eventually yeah for me I think there's a big difference between your goals and your vision. And I think sometimes we confuse vision and goals. So we have we have this vision of in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years, I'm going to, you know, fill in the blank, work for myself. I'm going to make X amount of dollars from my own business. I'm going to whatever. You, you have sort of these big, grandiose ideas. And, and I think I think sometimes it can cause a little bit of trouble to call those goals. Because then we like we try to, like you said, Ryan, time box them. Or, or Ian, like you said, we try to make them smart goals. And sometimes you just need a vision for 10 years and you need goals for 30, 60, 90 days or six months or, or probably a year. But, but I don't know. It's been my experience that anything past that, it changes so much by the time you get there that it's hard to make you know a, a really solid – you know, with all of the requirements, 10-year goal. Is it easy to make a 10-year vision and important to? I think so. But but a 10-year goal, it, it's I, it's hard for me to to think of a time that I've seen that work. It could just be me. Um, but I think I think maybe it's just important to to draw that distinction for for people who maybe resonate with this idea. It may not work for everybody, but the difference between a goal and a vision, mm -hmm. and I think that's important to sort of realize when you're yeah. getting started. Yeah, I agree. I, I think another thing, if I can um, change the subject just a little bit, I think another thing when you're getting started that's valuable is uh, a mentor and or someone just ahead of you on the path or someone who's clear to where you want to be, someone you can watch what they're doing and, and sort of mimic what they're doing because in the beginning you, you kind of have no clue what what you're doing. But if you can watch someone or learn from someone or ask someone questions or listen to them on a podcast or whatever, um, they can help you navigate that path that they've been down that you haven't been down yet. Have you guys, did you guys have any mentors early on or anything like that when you were first getting started building your side gig? I did. Uh, or or um, what are your thoughts on mentors? I know with um, Logo Geek, uh, I mean, it, it was always intended as just, um, you know, it was always meant to be just on the side, but obviously now it's... Um, you know, more of a part-time business rather than a side gig as such. But I always looked up to specific people online. So, um, for example, David Airy is is one of the names and uh, maybe Jacob Cass. I used to follow them on social media and I used to see them blogging and all this sort of stuff. And what I started to do was kind of watch what they were doing and started to replicate it. And I was quite surprised that by simply replicating what they were doing, I've I've now started to do things with those guys, which is, you know, it's crazy. And uh, 
literally, I guess to some extent, all I was doing was kind of not copying exactly what they were doing, but posting on social media on the same, um, uh, you know, the the same amount of times and uh, kind of writing about similar topics. And I was just watching what they were doing and kind of, you know, basing my um, business model around that to some extent. And, you know, by kind of doing that, it gave me a framework to start off with. And now I've been able to kind of branch off in my own way and take inspiration from uh, lots of different sources. Um, but I wouldn't say I had a specific um, mentor, but I was watching other people online and, um, you know, taking their experiences and, and using it for myself to some extent. How about you, Ryan? It's funny you mentioned that specifically because I would say I've had the same experience in, in some regards, right? Like, someone that I kind of learned a lot of my like initial footsteps along blogging from and writing from would be like Chris Gillibo, Pat Flynn. And I've been able to have both of them on my podcast now, which is so cool, you know, like by, by emulating some of the things that, you know, they did themselves and that they teach and they preach to others. I've sort of been able to walk my way into some of the same circles as them. Um, and you know, I wouldn't, I think the term mentor is kind of funny because it, for a lot of people, at least, it, it implies kind of like a certain level of responsibility or stigma where, you know, we got to meet in person for dinner once a month and talk on the phone every two weeks or something like right. that. And I think it's mentor has really become such a loose term. And it's it's basically someone that you can learn something from because, you know, they are in a place where you hope to be at some point in the future. And I've had like various different forms of mentors, whether it's you know, someone who I do get active advice from, you know, career advice or blogging advice, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, someone that I consider a mentor right now is like one of my peers who, you know, isn't even in the same kind of line of work as I'm in, but he just gives me really damn good feedback on everything I'm doing. And he holds me accountable for like, you know, we do sort of a uh, weekly check-ins with each other and we set monthly goals and it's really almost more about accountability and feedback and keeping each other on rails with what our goals are you know for the week for the month and i think that that kind of mentor-ish relationship is really really valuable especially when you're just getting started because you know as you as you get further into what you're doing you'll get distracted by shiny little objects and if those shiny little objects don't backed into being one of your more meaningful goals that that steps you closer to your vision, then it's just a distraction. And I think that that's a huge role for, you know, a mentor, accountability buddy, whatever you want to call it, is to just sort of help keep you on the right path. Yeah, I think what you bring up is interesting. I think there's maybe two different kinds of people that we've identified here. One is like ahead of you on the path or wiser than you or maybe older than you or more experienced that that would maybe fall into this loose sort of mentor and then there's i think power in this like mastermind idea which you're getting at ryan which is to me a, an additional way to do it i don't know if you need both or or whatever but like i agree i have well even like last episode we got off the air and the three of us just chatted about our podcasts um because we each run uh, different podcasts. You can learn about those last episode in 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 episode um, two point one. But um, it, it was cool after we after we hopped off the air. We we stayed on the line, 
And we just talked about uh, sponsorships for the podcast, getting guests. Um, uh, Ryan, I emailed you later and asked for some pointers on getting some guests. And it's cool to just like, like we three in some ways are in the same place in our businesses. And so it's, it's cool to not only sort of be accountable to each other, check in every once in a while, but also learn from one another um, on the things that one of us might be better at or have accomplished things in. Um, And then I think, uh, you know, like, I think that can be super casual too. I don't think it has to be like, you don't have to form an official mastermind group that you meet once a week and you have this rigid schedule. You can do that. If that's, if that's your cup of tea, do that. Um, I also have this other friend who I think, uh, you've been on his podcast, uh, Ian, Chris Green. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Have you you been on the, this Mm -hmm. design life podcast? And he and I just check in every once in a while, just just because we're friends like we you know we don't we don't have a set time um necessarily we just check in and and it's fun to just say like hey you're doing great on this or or hey i need help with this or you know what's next or we sort of keep each other in line sometimes too like he's called me out a couple times and say man you you jump around a lot like instead of sticking with one idea and i'll say like well fine i'll stick with that idea for a little while and i do the same thing to him we sort of go back and forth but we're good enough friends at this point that we can help each other stay with our eyes fixed on sort of that vision that we talked about earlier on the horizon so that, yeah, we make little changes along the way, but ultimately we're pointed in the right direction every time. Mm, I think Chris is a good example of um, that type of person because he's, um, I, I chat with him quite frequently. Um, he's obviously chatting with you, but he seems to be very much at the early stages of his business. And obviously he's got some idea what he wants to do, but he wants it to grow um, a lot quicker. So what he's doing is he's reaching out to um, different people, you know, friends and just asking them questions and treating them to some degree as uh, mentors in a way. And uh, I, th- I think that's Absolutely. a good way to he's do it. He's being very intentional mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. I think he's being super intentional about it. He's, He's, he's told me he's reached out to other people like me. I mean, I didn't know Chris. We've never met in person. He lives in the UK, yeah, I he think, does. doesn't yeah, he, yeah. Ian? Yeah. Yeah, and and um, I guess because you know everybody who lives in the UK. Is... <laughs> I haven't met him yet, but we're planning so... <laughs> to do a few different things together. So, yeah, oh, I'll cool. probably meet him eventually. Awesome. Yeah, fun. And you know what, guys? Anyway, I just think I... he's being super intentional about it, which is really powerful. I want to say one thing that, you know, hearing you two talk just a minute ago really sparked for me was like going back again pressing to one of the things you said right towards the beginning is like you know the curse of knowledge where you forget how much things really can suck in the early days as you're getting started and for for people listening today who are going through like you know that arguably shitty phase when you're not getting any traction or you're hitting tons of roadblocks you're getting frustrated you're not sure what you should be doing um I think when you stick with something and you have the willingness to continue adapting and learning from other people who've, you know, achieved things related to what you want to achieve, like if you just stick to it, things will get better, you know? And like, I've gotten to the point now with what I do where looking back at how I was pitching myself as a freelancer in the early days, I want to like bang my head against the wall. Like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Why were you you know, charging so little? Why were you sending a cold email saying that? Like all these things that I can now beat myself up about, but, you know, getting to the point where I am now, I would never have been able to get here without going through those shitty times where you're learning, where you're failing and you just have to keep going. 
I agree with that. I think it can be inspiring too to look back uh, on the stories of people who you admire and and realize, like, go back, find your favorite blogger. Let's say you want to be a blogger. Find your favorite five bloggers. Go back and find their first articles if they're still on their websites. And you will be, like, so inspired to realize that you are doing a great job because those first articles, I guarantee you, are not that good. And um, I know that's the case, like, on anything I've ever worked on. I, I love... Um, the NPR show, How I Built This, like you can, like guests come on and they'll tell you their whole story of how their business started. I remember the guys from Airbnb were on and and they said, you know, they had coffee with, they got connected with like 20 investors, had coffee with 10 of them or something like that. And then none of them invested in Airbnb the first time around. And I, and I just think it's, you know, if you're, if you're trying to build like a tech startup, that can be super inspiring because now Airbnb obviously is a massive success. But in the beginning, they weren't able to get um, funding from from any sort of investors, and and um, I just think it can be inspiring to see that like you know they are where they are now. Whoever it is that you admire, they're there now. But man, in the beginning, it wasn't like that. And so if if you're not immediately this massive success, it's fine. And everybody who it looks like to you is an overnight success, it took them years to get there. You just stumbled into their path, and it looks like all of a sudden they were this overnight success. Very, very, very few people right. are overnight success. I think you have to go industry. into it knowing that you're going to fail a lot. Yeah, and being okay with that and, and almost excited about that. Like I, I actually like trying things, and, and I just realized that half the time or more I'm going to fail, but I learn a ton while I do it. And And it's sort of the law of averages, too. If you're familiar with the law of averages, it says there's, you know, it's like X over one basically x being the number of times you try something over one success and you have to figure out you know to get a viral blog post i have to write a hundred blog posts or to get you know a a a super popular uh podcast episode i have to produce 50 of them or or 250 of them or i have to reach out to a thousand potential clients to get enough money this month because the law of averages says i'm only going to get two paying clients if i reach out to a thousand it it just it can be inspiring to sort of see how that has all how that has worked for other people and see that you can fail and still succeed long term. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. No, last week I um I actually found the uh first website mock up of Logo Geek I did and it had like the the portfolio examples and, and basically all of the logos that I did when I first started were things that I did for free. So I did them for friends and family just to have something on my website. And uh, I look back now and, oh my God, it's so bad. So bad. But I mean, <laughs> by just starting on something and putting it together, that's that allowed me to actually get um, paying clients and then to actually extend from that. Um one thing that I, I don't think we, we have spoken about, and it's possibly because you guys do a lot more, um, you know, content-based sites and you don't necessarily have clients, but we haven't really spoken about getting clients. And, and for me, that's kind of, that would be one of the first things that I would want. So for me, say, I want to provide logos. I've done a few logos. How do I start? I, I don't know. And to some extent, you really need clients to, to, to begin with. So we haven't spoken about, you know, how do you get your first client? And I guess the, the first thing that comes to my mind, if I didn't literally have a website or anything else, I would reach out to friends and family and just literally let them know, 
I'm, you know, creating this business. I want to offer this. This is how much it's going to cost. Do you know anyone that's interested in my service? And I think that's a really nice, easy way to actually start to find people. And um, like, you know, when you're really starting out, like I was, I'd, I'd never really worked on that many logos. I don't see anything wrong with actually offering it for free just to get a few good um, case studies or testimonials or things that you can actually use to attract other clients. What's your guys' thoughts on, you know, getting clients originally, you know, to, to start off with? You know, I'm, I love that you uh, have, have been sure to include this because I think this is probably going to be the last little segment of this show that we can do. And, and I think you're right. We overlooked a really key part and that is if I can, if I can turn this into maybe a broader yeah. picture, it's, it's actually like getting money getting in money. the door, <laughs> which seems so, so obvious. But, um, but when you're starting a side gig, particularly, it can be so easy to spend hours and hours on the ideas and the website and the logo. And you can just spend hours before you ever make any money. And, and coming back full circle to my buddy who, who's doing the window washing right now, just to make some extra cash on the side, he, um, he did exactly what you said, Ian, like he, he reached out to me because I had helped him sort of think through a side business. And he said, let me come wash your windows for free. And then will you, you know, give me a review so I can post it on my Facebook page and, um, and I can put it on my flyers and, and whatever. And, uh, and then I, I just think, I, I think, so his, his initial goal was like, first get some experience, making sure I can actually do this job. And then as soon as I have that, turn that into paying customers. And he right away started just reaching out to everybody and saying, look, I, let me come wash your windows. I'm really good at it. And these people say I'm good at it. And I want to come wash your windows. And it was all about getting money in the door before he ever launched a website, before he ever printed business cards, anything like that. He just got, he just, his goal was to get money in the door quickly. And I actually, sorry, this is a little bit long winded response, Ian, but I, I experienced the same thing when I lost my job a few weeks ago. It was like, okay, I've sort of been playing around, making decent money, and now it's like I need to prove to myself that I can make good money working for myself um, or I'm not going to be able to do this sort of solopreneur thing. I'm going to have to go find another job. And so immediately my mind shifted just a little bit, and I was already focused on revenue and that sort of thing um, with Milo, but even more so it was all of a sudden it was like, okay, who am I reaching out to? Who am I calling? How am I finding customers? I think it, I think it's true for whether you're finding clients like you, Ian, whether you're finding, I, I do a lot of work with sponsors, whether you're finding customers to buy your products, whatever it is, like you have to focus as much or more, I'd say in the beginning, way more on actually getting real customers and real money in the door. If you want it to be a business, if you want it to be a hobby, that's fine. But if you want it to be a business, you have to focus on getting some, some revenue in the door. Yeah. So Ian, and I think also going back to your, you made a really good point about, you know, being willing to do free work maybe when you're just needing to get experience, needing to get the case studies. And I would even add on to that. Like, don't even ask for permission. Like if you're going to commit to doing free work, don't ask someone like, oh, can I, you know, please do this for you. Like go out of your way and create a rebrand case study for, you know, how you would rebrand Airbnb's logo and their like website design or something, if that's what you're trying to go for. Because I think once you start like asking for permission, if you're going to commit to doing free work, that's when you start to like really set up even more roadblocks for yourself. And I think like 
having you know that one case study as at least a basic example on your portfolio side or something like that is is pretty essential once you start doing the actual outreach to ask for paid clients and you know i've i've seen people reach out and land paid work you know with zero experience and sort of figure it out with their first paid client and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't you know it, it really depends on your confidence level going into it like maybe if your freelance work is something related to what you've done in your job for the past few years then i think that's great then you don't necessarily need to take on free work because you should have the confidence like you know i've already been doing this and here are some results from my day job and i think that's also an interesting point is like if you have some sort of case studies, testimonials, um, work examples from stuff you've even done for a former, you know, full-time employer. That is your work. Like that's stuff you created. So take that and use that as sort of case study work too. I agree with that. The luxury of a side gig is that you have those options, right? Like if you if if you're starting a business on the side, the the theory is that you're making at least a living wage at a job somewhere else. And so you can afford to take a little bit more time to get some experience on, on, um, on your side business. If you need that, if your side business is in the field that you're working in, then you're right. You can, you can come out with the confidence and just start finding customers and clients right away. I love that. Any last words guys, before we wrap up this episode? Um, I think when you start out, um, don't worry too much about everything being perfect. Um, we spoke about this in, uh, you know, previous episodes, but I think it's worth just creating minimum viable products. So, you know, if, like I said, if you do need a website, just put something together and don't worry too much about, um, specifically how it looks as long as it serves its purpose. And then you can actually start to get paying clients in really quickly yeah i love that great cool. final thoughts yeah. all right guys well i think that was a great conversation definitely and that's today's show folks thank you so much for listening for links to any resources and details about today's show visit sidegigshow.com slash 2.2 the biggest takeaway i took from today's episode is this instead of starting with business cards or or a logo or a website start with a vision what do you want your life to look like in five years do you just want some extra money on the side do you want to quit your day job or do you want more free time with your family? Whatever it is, just start with that. Then build a business that supports your long-term vision. But remember, don't let the long-term vision sort of keep you from reaching those 30 to 90 day goals. Things things are going to change. Uh, you just got to roll with the punches and keep your eyes on the horizon and, um, and, and keep your eyes on that long-term vision. That's it from us today. Thanks again to our sponsors. First, we have Find Side Gigs, where you can get free weekly lists of side hustle job opportunities to boost your side hustle income. Learn more at sidegigshow.com find. And Bonsai, the all-in-one freelancing solution for the world's best creative freelancers. Get paid faster, save time, and put your freelance business on autopilot so you can spend more time doing the work you can actually bill your clients for. Learn more at sidegigshow.com slash B-O-N-S-A-I, Bonsai. If you enjoyed the show today, we'd love an honest rating and review on iTunes. Just search Sidegig and click the cover art with Milo's little M in the corner. As always, on behalf of Ryan, Ian, and the entire Milo team, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.